people. It's your girl, Fredrika McClary Easley, back with another episode of Bum, 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 Bum. The people are blunt. Now, you know I got to do some housekeeping. So, good people, we are on all the platforms. YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Prime, all of those good things. Y'all know how these uh, algorithms work. So, please like, subscribe, thumbs up, share, do all of the good things um, to one, show love to our guests, to the guests that come on and share and are vulnerable and um, give knowledge and drop gems on y'all, um, but also to to let me know what you want to see um, and how you are taking in the information that we are sharing. Y'all know I actually read the comments and I actually respond. So uh, hit us up. The People's Ecosystem. Go on over to the website. You know, we have our wellness line. So these are our transdermal CBD patches. These can be shipped anywhere. If you are in Cali, Tosi Treats, y'all. The thing I love so much about these gummies um, and this new technology is, first of all, it's fast acting. So, you know, a lot of times with gummies, you have to wait 45 minutes to an hour. Sometimes you even forget that you took the gummy. And then that can like, you know, cause a situation. Um, but these are fast acting. And also it's based, um, it, it's connected with protein. So your body knows what to do with it. So your body actually knows how to break this down and you get to keep a lot of the good stuff or more of the good stuff as opposed to it being viewed as waste products by your body. So I've taken care of the, the business and now let's get to the treat. Miss Combs. Yes. Tanika. Yes. Tanika Combs is with us today. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. Um, it is um, starting to feel like summer already where I am. I am in uh, Texas. So, uh, so yes, I am I'm getting myself together. I am adjusting <laughs> to this heat. But our, our summer starts early. Like, it's not really a spring. It just it just right. falls in. So um, that's how I am. Where are you? I am actually in Ohio. Okay. What part yeah. of Ohio are you in? Um, around the Cincinnati, Cincinnati area. Can't talk today. That was good. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, you know, that's one of my favorite Ohio areas. Um, but prior to the pandemic, I would mm -hmm. go almost every year and actually take my mom to the um, Cincinnati Music Festival. Yes. Yes. They have big names this year. I'm excited. I um, may not be there because uh, it may be too soon after the baby. So I may not be able to check y'all out until 24. <laughs> but um, I feel like it's one of the best festivals that in terms of like bang for your buck, Absolutely. Like the, the seats are very reasonable. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like it's not a bad seat in the house. Right. And the names that are there mm -hmm. um, and even just like hotel access and being able to walk to um, to the stadium, to John, right. to Brown Stadium, if you're downtown, is like so easy to navigate. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's one of my faves. It's nice. I love it. Yep. Yep. And you're lucky because mm -hmm. it's in your backyard, but because right. um, <laughs> I would have to get on the plane, it'd be a whole thing. Like, 
I don't think I'm doing that. But yeah. let, let's get to it because um, one, thank you for being here today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So to give some context, um, you and I are a part of a project that mm -hmm. is um, going to be releasing in, uh, I guess, early summer mm -hmm. of 23, um, second edition, Courage and Cannabis, um, pulled together by Dr. Bridget Williams, who we love. <laughs> yes. Shout out to Doc. Um, and, and I remember how I felt after reading the first Courage and Cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. um, not knowing if there were going to be others, but just being exposed to that first offering. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I, the first thing I want to start with is um, one, why you decided to be a part of this project, but two, um, how did how were you introduced to it? Um, well, it started out, I started following Dr. Bridget online. Um, once I got my medical card in Ohio four years ago, I just was reaching out to everyone. Like I wanted to follow people. I wanted to know that, you know, what I was getting myself into because everyone, you know, we smoked in high school and whatnot, but like actually getting into it for the medicinal purposes, I was all over it. So I ended up finding her on Instagram and just followed her totally admirable i i adore her she has done amazing things and is doing amazing things for yeah. the stride in cannabis and and getting it out there to be something that i think a lot of people could benefit from myself included um so i just started following her that way and was just inspired i wanted to do the first book but there was a lot going on in my life so it wasn't you know, feasible at that time. But then I was so excited when I saw that uh, the second book was coming out and she asked me to be a part of that. And I shared my story with her and I'm just delighted to be a part of this and share my story with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into the story um, in a minute, but what I want to do is kind of go back to something you said. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned, and I'm sure many people have kind of walk this path of mm -hmm. having, um, you know, at an earlier age, high school, mm -hmm. you know, maybe college, maybe even before then, mm -hmm. um, but having um, familiarity with the plant, right? Mm -hmm. But it being totally, um, I guess, a different experience, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, at that point, why did you, why were you engaging? Was it just something to do? Was it what your friends were doing? Like, how, how did that occur? Um, it was mainly my friends doing it. I had known about it since a child, just, you know, hearing about it through family members and, and just people who actually um, would partake in it. So I knew what it was. I didn't know exactly what it did, but I was curious. So, you know, just most teenagers are, and I, I tried mm -hmm. it with friends and I liked how I felt, but I was absolutely paranoid. Like the, oh my God, it was crazy just feeling that, oh my God, I'm scared, I'm, you know, just going to get in trouble. And so this is a whole different experience because you don't have that looming over you like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, this is illegal. So that has gone away. But um, yeah, early it was just experimenting. It was trying something different, but it did make me feel 
lighter, like I had more clarity. And I didn't do it too often back then. It was more so when I became an adult and actually saw that it had medicinal purposes to it. And it wasn't just for getting high or just to have fun with, that it actually does benefit a lot of people. And I was open to it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That clarity piece that you recalled even at a young age of experiencing, like in the moment, did you know it? In the moment, did you realize that you were having moments of clarity or was that something that as you reflected on earlier experiences, it was like, oh no, this yeah. is, this is the impact it had on me. Yeah. I reflected back. Um, in the moment I didn't really get it, but like later on like post smoke <laughs> it was just like wow you know it really opened my mind to a lot of things and it, it just calmed me down i just felt like myself yeah yeah so 2019 mm -hmm. medical opens up in ohio yes and you're like i need to do this yes okay what brought you to that point um, at that point, I was over 300 pounds. Um, I was in a bad marriage. I had been severely depressed for a very long time. I had gone through things in my marriage and things with my children and was just in a really bad place in my life. And I had tried antidepressants. I was taking all kinds of medication just to, for the anxiety, for everything I was feeling. I couldn't sleep. I was taking Ambien to sleep at night, things like that. And just all this medication making me feel kind of like a zombie. Like I was just kind of going through the motions, not really feeling like I was living, just existing. Yeah. And I went, got my card. They didn't even have dispensaries open yet, but I wanted my card. So <laughs> I got my well, card. Well, they say if you if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So it's exactly like, right. <laughs> yes, you I must. was ready. Um, got my card. Um I filled my first prescription once it was available and stopped all of my pharmaceuticals, like just cold turkey. I stopped the Ambien. I stopped all the anti-anxiety medications. I stopped everything. Just it didn't do it for me. And just from that first filling of my prescription and knowing that I could have access to this all the time, I was, that was it for me. I felt that clarity that I had felt earlier in my life, but I felt it more because I had been going through so much. Like being a teenager, you know, you hadn't lived life yet, but actually being in my forties and I had lived. So <laughs> I had been through a lot and it really changed my life. I, I'm a completely different person than I was four years ago. First of all, let me say, you look good, girl. Oh, thank you. Okay. This is why I love being black. Like you can never, Aww. you can never tell yes. how old black, black women, especially, right. you right. know what I mean? Like if you are even in, 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 in the most basic way, taking care of yourself, you know, um, just drink a little bit of water. Right. You know what I mean? Um, uh, the melanin black mm -hmm. is just, it's so beautiful. So yeah. first of all, let me just say this. Thank you, you look great. Thank you. Um, secondly, I want to get into, because you said like at this point, you are just existing, right? Mm -hmm. It's 2019. You're existing. Cannabis was something that you dabbled with mm -hmm. you know, when you were younger, but it wasn't 
you know, in your practice? Was there anyone around you um, that was using that was like that encouraged it? Or had you gotten to the point where it was, I am willing to try anything or I have tried all of these other things and, you know, let me just see like mm -hmm. what, what made cannabis look like it could help to you? Um, I started reading literature and the more and more I got into it, I had no idea about the racism around it and why it was illegal in the first place and where it got the name. And that's why I'm adamant about calling it cannabis and not I mean, we, you know, all the other little names, but I will stay away from the M word because I. That's right. That's yeah, right. So. <laughs> That's right. But, um, just diving into the literature, no one around me was really doing it. Um, my ex was totally against it. And he told me I couldn't do it in the house. I wasn't allowed to do it under his roof. And and I just I didn't care at that point. I just was like, I'm going to do it. I, I need something to change my life. And I was hoping that that was it. And it was definitely it. Okay, you said his roof. Mm -hmm. But you were grown. This is not your parent. This is right. this this was your ex-husband. Right. Okay, so we're gonna deduct from that um that this was not a healthy relationship. No, not at okay. all. Okay. Okay. Um so you are at the point where what they say most people have to reach is their bottom, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Before they can make a change. Absolutely. Okay. So you're at bottom, mm -hmm. you're doing the research, you get your card. Ohio is not even ready for you yet. But, no. but, <laughs> right. but Tanika is ready. I was ready. Okay. So you go to the dispensary, right? Mm -hmm. There's finally a dispensary open. Um, what was that experience like? It was exciting. I was geeked. I was happy to be there. I'm showing everybody my car. I got my card. I'm posting it everywhere online, letting people know. I was I was excited. Um, the process was like slow going. I'm glad it's where it is now. It can improve, but it it was exciting. Just walking in there, you can smell it as soon as you walk through the doors, and it was just like, oh yeah, this is where. And I this is what be. I've been looking for. <laughs> Like, let me in the dough, people. Right. Now, was it, you know, was there any aspect of it that, um, because, I mean, look, honestly, when you're young and you're using or you just mm -hmm. have your weed, man, it's like, look, this is what I got. This is what right. it is. You right. go into a dispensary. It can be a whole oh, new world, right? Like, there's right. so many options. Mm -hmm. So, um, and even with having a medical card, mm -hmm. it's not like... I mean, you know, we have Dr. Bridget who mm -hmm. actually like works with patients and helps you figure out, you know, your regimen and things of that mm -hmm. nature. But for the most part, and especially 2019, it's like you got this car. Now do you, you know, right. you figure it out. So how did you figure it out? I started out just buying the first two containers of the 2.83 grams, which Ohio is that's another thing. We won't even talk about the, yeah. Anyway, um, I just started out with two and I thought I'll just use flour. Flour was the cheapest thing available. It was one of the only things available at first. They didn't even have edibles or any or concentrates or anything. Or anything. Right, yeah. nothing. Um, so I got the flour and it was just like the flour. I've tried 
all types of different ways to consume, but flour affects me the best. It, it really, it's instantaneous. It's something about the inhale, exhale that just helps. But, you know, um, a lot of people speak to, um, almost it being ritualistic in a way, right? And we know um, we know a lot of cultures, you know, use flour, use the mm -hmm. plant um, in their ceremonies and things of that nature. But for a lot of people, and you can speak to how it is for you, just mm -hmm. the breaking it apart, mm -hmm. just the rolling it or the packing it or whatever, but mm -hmm. all of that, like leading up to actually consuming it Mm -hmm. is the whole like it's a whole relief right it is because you know what's coming you're like yeah. anticipating while you're getting it ready and you know that at the end it's just going to be bliss yeah for me that's how it is okay okay so you got your flower yeah. you ready <laughs> okay you mm -hmm. are you a are you a joint lady are you uh i'm a cone a lady. one hitter I, I do cones. You're a cone lady. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so you got your cone, you got everything, <laughs> you're ready. And so after that first, I'm going to say first session mm -hmm. with yourself, was it like immediately knowing like, oh, shit is about to change? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. Yep. That first, that was me taking the step to even do it when I was forbidden to do it in a way right. was yeah that was it for me so I want to get to the part where you break free mm -hmm. and I'm sure that there were steps mm -hmm. and if you can speak to how or the role that cannabis played um, in you getting free, because I'm because I'm I'm sure it wasn't like an overnight thing, oh, no. No. and I'm sure there was trauma along mm -hmm. the way. I'm sure there was pushing and pulling, if you will, mm -hmm. along the way. So, what role did cannabis play in that for you? Not just, I guess, the physical, mm -hmm. you know, relief. Um, but in terms of your full body, your mental and allowing you to get through that transition, how did that go? It was the clarity. Every time that I consumed, it just opened my mind more. It opened my soul more. Like I felt more like myself than I ever had. I had been in this box, if you will, just being shoved into this box of being someone that I wasn't. I got married, I wouldn't say early, but mid twenties and didn't really know who I was at that time. So feeling that like I can speak up, I can say what I want to say. I can like the things that I want to like. I can do what I want to do. I'm a grown woman. I'm able to do these things and not feeling that that person pushing me down, telling me that I can't do this. I can't do that because the insecurity that I felt, I couldn't work, I couldn't go out just to hang out with friends. I couldn't do anything. I was a homebody. It was me and the dog in the house all the time while the kids were at school. It was bad and I didn't socialize. 
I couldn't even get my words together to speak to people. It was that bad that people that I communicated with on social media thought that I was an invalid and was stuck in, in the house. And I was, I'm fully physical, able to, you know, able body, but I just mentally could not get it together because of the abuse that I had suffered over the years and just didn't feel like I was a person, like I could exist outside of this thing I had been in. So just every time I consumed, it just made me feel more empowered, like stronger, like Tony was coming back. Well, that's my nickname, sorry. Like I was coming back to myself, like this person that I knew in my early 20s was like kind of inkling her way back in. And the more that I consumed, the more I felt like a human, like I could function, like I could talk to people, I could go out and enjoy life and, and... I hadn't been able to do that. And so I knew that I had to continue to do this. Um, it was really eye-opening and, and it was life-changing for me. I pause because there are so many things going through my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we often hear we often hear about physical situations mm-hmm. um and so people can see the abuse right but what you're describing is and that's not to take anything away from mm-hmm. physical abuse but is a very it's a deeper level it's like bleeding internally it is it's very insidious and and slow acting so it just kind of creeps in and you don't realize it's happening until you're in it and you're like how did I even get here and I felt like using cannabis helped me to pull myself out of that and I could see that no this isn't right you shouldn't be treated this way you shouldn't be talked to this way this is not how someone that loves you would do you so it just opened my eyes and I I knew that everyone's saying you know stay for the kids and you know and that's what people were saying yeah and staying for the kids even as you were expressing to them how you feel and clearly they can see the change Mm -hmm. of like this they can see the change in you physically they can see the change in you you know, socially mm-hmm. and like how you engage, but people are seeing these things mm-hmm. and the messaging that you're still receiving is stay for the kids. Right. I reached out to our church. I reached out to family members, friends, but no one knew what to do. And they just kind of, you know, threw their hands up. I mean, people were supportive as far as listening to me vent or what have you, but other than that, no one could help. It was, I was to the point when I started using cannabis that I was going to go take the kids and go to a homeless shelter or a women's shelter because it was so bad. And all those prescription medications, I had stopped taking them. Um, but before I had gotten my card, I used to just stack the Ambien, like just get the prescription and fill it and keep it and keep it and just look at the bottle with all these Ambien, like, if I just take this, it'll be over. And that's 
that was my breaking point. I couldn't do that anymore because I can't leave my kids. They're first and foremost, biggest part of my life. But I didn't want to let him win because I, I didn't deserve that. My kids don't deserve that. And I knew I had to get strong in order to get us to a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you. Um, even as we're digging into this for Sharon, because people need to hear it. Mm -hmm. People need to hear your story in this journey. Um, because it's real and so many are going through it. I think about the pandemic and I think about how drastic, um, drastically people's lives changed and mm -hmm. what that could mean. I think about people in professional situations mm -hmm. that are abusive and in abusive um, professional relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so, so first of all, I want to say, I want to say thank you um, I want to say thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So, and I think the, I think the other thing that we don't think about is, um, when people say stay for the kids, but the kids mm -hmm. also see, they see it. Yeah. What's going on. And it affects them eventually. And I'm dealing with my teenagers now having issues because of things that they experienced as children and saw within the marriage. So yeah, it's it's not good to stay for the kids if it's a toxic place. It's not at all. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, you are consuming, you are getting stronger. In my mind, all I'm seeing is like Tina Turner doing her <laughs> chant. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. just daily building up um, pouring into yourself, mm -hmm. you know, reflecting, um, seeing yourself, you know, mm -hmm. clearly, I'm not even going to just say differently. I'm going to say clearly. Right. And so what was the point that you actually broke free? Like how long did it take along this journey of, you know, use of consuming cannabis, of using the plant, Mm -hmm. to um to heal your spirit es essentially and to allow you to quiet that inner chaos so mm -hmm. that you could focus on like your yourself and your babies and mm -hmm. what you needed to do when the pandemic hit that was the breaking like the turning point for me i knew that it had to be now or never it was just that was too much time with that person in one place and not being able to break free or get out, get air, get space. That was. So I this is the world, fresh. This yeah, is fresh. It's Tanika. Very fresh. Yeah. Very fresh. This is real time. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, and so 
at this point, um, you know, it's like the pandemic is a gift and a curse, right? But this was right. really, this was the moment where it was like, it's now or never. Mm -hmm. And so you chose now. Mm -hmm. And so we are several years into this global pandemic or into different phases. And mm -hmm. um, how are you feeling? Hopeful. Um, I have had the first full-time job I've worked as an adult for longer than a year um, over the last couple of years. It's a job that I really love. I'm thriving in. Um, it's afforded me to complete the divorce and to try and move on just to get like, I wasn't able to work. I wasn't able to have my own car. I wasn't able to have access to finances and would have panic attacks if I did somehow happen to spend a little bit of money, like things like that. It was, it was just, it was bad. Like so, you were on pins and needles. Like you were literally living like, I can't say anything right. I can't do anything right. right. Walking on eggshells. Like everything I said was wrong. Everything I did was wrong. It, it was really bad. And it made me feel about myself like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Like I shouldn't be out in the world. People don't like me. People don't want to associate with me. And it wasn't the case. But this person had drilled that into my head that I was worthless, that I was a has-been, that I was useless and just fat and old and just washed up, like all kinds of things. And it, it broke me down, but it also showed me who they really were. And that mask finally fell all the way off. And I, I got to experience what I had hoped wasn't happening to me, but it was. And I used to tell people that like when I would ask for help or ask for advice or try and stay with someone just to get away. And they're like, well, we don't know how to help you. You know, we don't know what to do. And I'm like, you know, I wish he would just hit me just so that someone would do something like it always feels like when people are physically abused, people will step in in a heartbeat. You can get a restraining order. You can get away from this person. You know, it makes them look bad because you have something to show. But internalizing all this pain, I don't have anything that's outwardly showing except my weight gain and staying in the house and not going anywhere. And it was bad. Like it breaks my heart for myself that I wasted so much time and so many years just trying to be someone for someone who didn't want shit to do with me. And it, I don't, it's like we, as women, just as people, I'm, it happens with male, female, with everyone. Um, <clears throat> we get in this, this, mindset that we don't deserve to be loved the way that we deserve to be loved or that you know someone's treating me like this then I deserve to be treated like this and that's not the case and I don't care what anyone says if someone loves you they will not hurt you bottom line from parent to child from lover to lover however it goes you do not hurt the people you love so that. I knew that I, I couldn't continue that way. This wasn't love. This wasn't anything healthy. And I just needed to get out. And the more I consumed 
it just made me see that like I don't need to be here this is not healthy this is not you this is not good for your kids and it I don't understand how people can knock cannabis so hard because it saved my life and like this is literally we're talking literally here like literally cannabis yeah. saved your life literally in, in those moments for people who may be watching and may have um, friends or family um, who are in these situations and like they don't know what to do like what did you what did you want like what could someone have done with you for you what would you have liked? Um, I would have liked someone to say that this is wrong, to actually stand up and be in my corner, to have my back, basically. And it kind of felt like no one did. It was just like, oh, that's your, you know, you don't get in other people's business. You don't go in other people's marriages and you don't, you know, that's their business. And it, it, it is our business but it was affecting everyone around me. like just people need to step in and say something like if you see someone being mistreated even if it's not physical if someone is degrading someone or just if someone tells you hey this is what's happening to me can you help just even listening or looking for resources to point them in the direction or being encouraging because the support just to even get out and get a job or to try and get a car or to just get out and have a life. It helps when people are like, Hey, I want to see you. Can you come out? Can you, you know, stop by or can I stop by or just for me, it was physical. Like you can talk to people online all the time, but I needed people actually to show up for me. Yeah. That was what I needed. You needed to be seen. It sounds exactly. like I did. Because, like, literally, you were changing before everyone's eyes. Mm -hmm. So clearly something is going on here. Right. And at some point, someone has to stop and say, like, girl, you good? You okay? Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on? Can I right. do something? Right. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's let's set up you know what i mean like let's right. set up a sister friend you know whatever check-in mm -hmm. like let's like you need to if 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 i keep calling you and you don't right. want to go anywhere at some point i'm coming to your house and i'm like right. Bitch, exactly. get dressed. just don't give up that just don't give up right because the isolation like he would isolate me from my family and friends but i would also isolate myself because i felt unworthy of people or to even be in the presence of other people just don't give up mm -hmm. just don't give up like on yourself but also if you know someone's in a situation don't give up on them just keep reaching out because hopefully they will reach back out and and you'll help get them out of that that's um that's real because It is hard to see people you love go through stuff. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you get angry, like, girl, why are you still there? Yeah. But you know what? And, um, but I think sometimes we make it about us, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to remember that this is about them. And even, even though they're not going to make a move until they're ready, mm-hmm. hopefully at some point they will be ready. Right. And when they are ready, they need to know that you're there. Right. Right. I think that that's the thing. They they need to know that someone is there. Right. So right. with this being so fresh, I mean, I know you said you you know, the first book understandably so it was so mm-hmm. much going on um in your life. Mm-hmm. Um this one came around and you wanted to be a part of the project. But this is this is very personal. Mm-hmm. And this and not to say that any of the other stories are not personal. Mm-hmm. This is personal and this is real time. Mm-hmm. What made you say, Tony, I'm going to start calling you Tony now, okay. right? Thank Tony you. now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so what made Tony say like, no, I have I, I got to do this. I wanted to live, basically. I I wanted to be around for my grandkids and my kids, and I wanted to live a life that I was proud of, that I could show off to people, that I could have memories of, and and it be a good time, because I hadn't experienced that. Like, I had been in the shell of myself and not able to just live and that was important to me because I existed in this place and just wallowed in, in sadness and, and just sorrow for so long. I just, I wanted to live. And I knew once the pandemic hit, like the world's going to change, like things are changing. Things are like, it pulled the wool off or not over my eyes, pulled the veil, lifted the veil for me because I saw the world for what it was. I saw there are things out there that I can do to get myself out of here. Like there, it, I wanna say that cannabis motivated me in a way, like the more that I consumed, it just made me feel like a human being. Like I could just function, just a normal conversation with people or applying for jobs. Like I couldn't handle rejection. I would just cry at the drop of a die and just, give up, you know, trying things one time and just, oh, forget it. You know, I'm just going to stay stuck in this place and this is just where I'm going to be forever. And I didn't want to be that forever. I didn't want to be in that place forever and be unhappy and just die out, you know, sad and and unhappy in this place. And I just- How are the kids? How are the kids now? I mean, I know you mentioned earlier that, Mm -hmm. you know, you're dealing with the aftermath Mm-hmm. of um of their trauma right from right. them seeing and um and observing you know um and picking up on the interaction between you and their father mm-hmm. but now that the kids are being introduced to tony yeah they how, are 
how are things with them and have you shared the full story and i understand there's there's probably this tricky point there because that's still their father mm -hmm. and so you know you're trying to walk this line right but um you know i guess how transparent have you been with them about your journey mm -hmm. and how are they um uh, you know just adjusting to tony versus tonika or mom yeah. you know what i mean yeah um they're dealing with their own things right now that i'm trying to see them through um they have other things on top of what's going on with that situation that you know they're teenagers so they're yep. learning who they are they're coming into themselves um but they have always known that i've loved them but they see that I support them fully in everything they do and that mom is going to be there. Like mom will go to bat for them. Mom's going to raise hell for them. Mom's going to do whatever I got to do to make sure they're okay. Yeah. And they see that in Tony that they didn't see back before because I was timid and I was, Oh, I can't say this and I'm not allowed. And I, you know, don't want to overstep and things like that. But now they see, and they love Tony. Um, I see Tony, she gets to be a bit much sometimes, but you know, that's how all moms are eventually. Um, but they, I've been very transparent with them. I try and not base it on how I feel and just give them the facts of this is what happened. This is why we're here. This is, you know, why things are the way they are. Yeah. I don't ever bad mouth him to them. I, would never do that because I wouldn't want that done to me. I don't, you know, I'm not that kind of parent that tit for tat and wants to go back and forth. It's not like that. But my kids do know that a lot of things have happened that have gotten us to this point. And there are things that it being their parent, they're not proud of, but they understand. And they know that that's their dad. It doesn't take away the love, but they know that I've been hurt and that there has been a lot that they may not know. And they know that I hid a lot from them when they were younger. And so they're glad that they can see it, but also it, it has put kind of, um, I don't want to say thrown a wrench into their relationship with their dad, but it, it does make them look at him a little bit differently. Do you but, have girls or boys or both? Um, both. I have two older adult children than two younger, or not younger. One will be 18 tomorrow, so. Um, and then a 14-year-old, so. So, yeah, so so very tricky ages, right? Because mm -hmm. you, have, you have those hormones. Right. You have them, like you said, in stages where, especially the 14-year-old, mm -hmm. where they are, um, you know, really making sense. Mm-hmm of things yeah um and probably connecting their own dots mm -hmm. and you know and i i, I think you know, as a, a fairly new mom right like i'm just jumping off the porch mm -hmm. with this <laughs> um but like the reality is that sometimes you know people can be great parents but not great partners right you know not great mates and and it doesn't it doesn't i guess kind of take away from the kids seeing that, but that mm -hmm. is the reality, right? Like the reality right. is that they may not be good to me, but they may be good to you. 
-hmm. It's a different, it's a different uh, power play there. It's a different yeah. relationship. Mm -hmm. So very tricky, very tricky. Mm -hmm. How uh, did you share with the kids that you were going to be a part of Courage and Cannabis? I did. They're very Oops. excited for me. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Very excited. That, that is amazing. Um, it feels like you finally have support. I do. And I, I felt that and I was, well, I wanted to talk to Dr. Bridget about this. Um, we were going to talk later, but just even sharing this with people is therapeutic because for so long, I felt like no one listened. No one took me seriously. No one, I don't necessarily need help, but just to be acknowledged, to know that things were done that shouldn't have been done. And it hurts and it's real and people go through this and don't know how to deal with it and don't know that just because you're in a marriage, you don't have to stay there and be mistreated and, and abused and taken advantage of. You, you don't have to stay there just because you're married, just because you signed a piece of paper with this person, just because you tried to build a life with this person, you don't have to stay there and, yeah. and take that. Yeah. And so, you know, in terms of your cannabis journey mm -hmm. thus far, you know, um, what would you say to someone who is thinking or even just wondering if, you know, this is something that they should try um, or someone who is figuring out someone who knows they don't they don't feel like themselves, mm -hmm. but may not have the words or the language to advocate for um, for alternative treatment, mm -hmm. right? Like what would, what would you say to them? I would go for it. I would try any means necessary to get cannabis in your life. Uh, hopefully it'll be legal across the board pretty soon, but it changes everything. It does. It's, I know our bodies are built for it. I know that it helps. Like I, I wish that someone could do a study on my brain to see where it was before and how it is now because it's like night and day. I, I wouldn't be able to sit here and have this conversation with you four years ago. I, uh, it would have been a mess. So. What are you most proud of at this point? I am proud that I am actually having a life and able to go out and do the things that I've wanted to do for so long that I don't feel like a child who is under someone's thumb. I don't feel like I have to ask permission. I just feel like I'm living my You're grown life. girl. Right. I have, I'm growing, I'm healing, not all the way there, but yeah. There. Yeah. Living unapologetically. Unapologetically. Yes. In your truth. In my truth. That is dope. Tony. Mm -hmm. um, girl, I wasn't ready. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, um, man, um, courage and cannabis. You are courage and cannabis. 
I am. I feel it. I do. You are it. Mm -hmm. um, I thank you for sharing of yourself and your story. Um, this is why it's important. This is why it's important. I know that, you know, there are still so many mm -hmm. stigmas out there. There's still so many people who have these antiquated thoughts mm -hmm. um, and who like to differentiate between mm -hmm. like, you know, okay, cannabis for seizures versus cannabis for, you know, people who are trying to feel good, mm -hmm. but we all deserve to feel good. Exactly. We do. And sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we need some help getting there, mm -hmm. but we deserve to feel good. Absolutely. And I'm so happy that you feel good now. Thank you. Better I'm so happy you feel good. All right, good people. Um, look, make sure y'all get Courage and Cannabis 2. Uh, Tony Combs, thank you so much. I am going to call you Tony. You Tony. Tony, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing of yourself and your story. Thank you for um, being a light, showing your light. Mm -hmm. Um to those who may be in a dark place. Someone is going to watch this. Someone is going to see this mm -hmm. and you have ministered to them. That's great. And That's I appreciate and I love you for it. For real. Thank you. I love you too. I love us all. I want us all to be well. Yes. On that note, y'all stay blunt, be well. Um, and know that you deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel good. Till next time, we out, y'all.